Welcome back to the Queer Circle Podcast, where queer healers come to the mic to share their journeys and what they tell their younger selves. Today's guest is James E. Stewart. James is a gay hoodoo practitioner and root worker of over 10 years. He's also the owner and operator of Conjure Cleaning, based in Durham, North Carolina. Welcome to the Queer Circle, James. I was born in Durham, North Carolina, and um, the family I grew up in is very religious. Um, The church we grew up in was Worldwide Church of God. Um, That church was later defined as a cult by which uh, I think some of the rules that they had were just defined as cultish. It wasn't like that word strikes up very um, like a lot of imagery, but I feel like it was more the church we grew up in was very kind of Seventh-day Adventist style, a little um, uh, almost Jehovah's Witnessy, but like somewhere in between that, like we went to church on Saturdays. Um, you weren't supposed to hang out with secular friends. I think a number of people got excluded from the church if they did secular things or hung out with secular people. Like families split throughout that church because um, if you were you know, deemed as, uh, if the church said you're not supposed to communicate with this family member, families would do that. Luckily, our family kind of didn't do that. And we've, to my knowledge, uh, maintained relationships. But that was the mind frame of my parents. They grew up in that church. My mom grew up in Chicago. My dad grew up in North Carolina. They met through the church. So it, it that church was deep in our family. And in some ways, it's kind of scary to think about like how that made religion and God so tangible and so like hard set on worldviews for us and me growing up. Um, But in other ways, like that has been like my bedrock of like, well, that's how I came to know God. And I, I'm thankful for my parents for fostering a relationship with God that existed outside of church that existed outside of them. They made sure that my relationship with God was like, you know, its own universe. And because of that, it was like, well, even when I had questions about, am I gay? I'm not asking my parents first, I'm asking God. And that conversation was extremely beautiful because that's what they helped foster. So it, in a weird way, it was like, okay, um, maybe the channel in which it came through was a little uh, convoluted and toxic, but God still came through. So one thing that uh, was a little hard to deal with, not a little hard, it was like (laughs) um, one of the hardest things to deal with was coming out to my parents and uh, their response was not good. Um, Their response was, well, what does the Bible say? And at that time I was, I think I was like 12, 13. Yeah, I was somewhere between 12 and 13. And I was I just found a book earlier that summer about Wicca. So like I was already kind of questioning my relationship with God. I wasn't really feeling that sort of like call and response relationship with God where I just sit and wait, like I pray and then I wait 
and hope that my message, my my prayer was heard. Like I was like, this need, I need more. Like I need a conversation. I don't need just like, you know, I wait. Um, and by grace of finding a book in my sister's nightstand while I was snooping as like just an annoying little brother, I'm like, oh, what is this book about witchcraft? Um, that opened up the door for me to like explore different pathways and religions. So by the time I came out to my parents, them asking me, well, what does the Bible say about this? I was like, well, I'm not really feeling the Bible right now. Um, so they, it was, it was like, well, we don't have any tools to like, you know, control him. And then on my end, I'm like, you're my parents, like you're supposed to love me. What is this programming? What is this, you know, sort of robotics that has you snap into my enemies when you've seen like I've been bullied all throughout elementary um, and middle school to the point where I had to be in therapy I had nervous breakdowns because I remember like probably first day of fourth or fifth grade having a panic attack because I, was like, I didn't want to walk in the class because I knew most of those kids called me the f word or gay kid or like all these things and I'm like I don't want to go um, my parents saw all of that. So for them to like throw, well, what does the Bible say when I'm like, I'm just stepping into a part of myself that you, you acknowledged and seen my entire life. So I was just angry and I was filled with anger for like a long time. And we fought, we would argue. And, um, I, it was just back and forth, like hell in the household for a long time. Um, and that didn't sort of resolve until I was 18 and I ran away to New York because I was like, well, I'm 18, I'm grown now. Um, I graduated and uh, just left and told them, please don't try to find me. Um, and I didn't talk to them for a while, like six months or so. Um, and that sort of, a lot of things happened in that in that time of me trying to figure out who I was and trying to figure out, you know, my life on my own for the first time, like jumping in the deep end. And I'm just like, um, I realized there are spiritual forces making sure that I was good because as many times as I encountered death, um, I'm like, that does not make sense. Hindsight, I'm like, that does not make sense for me to survive that. Um, and it, I regret the way in which, no, I regret the impact that it had on my parents because that was very traumatic for them. Um, I'm thankful that it eventually brought us together and it made them see me uh, in my fullness of my life and not just you're our son and we need to parent you and teach you and uh, make sure you do the right things. But that experience, um, it just shaped, it rechanged the dynamic of our family. I was like thinking about um, how The Wiz was one of my favorite movies growing up. And it's like, well, duh, of course it's gonna be my favorite movie growing up because like, <laughs> everything is within us this whole time. And yeah, and of course Diana Ross, but like everything, it's here the whole time.
so when it comes to mentors and heroes, it is such a, um, <laughs> it's such a like up, down, um, all over the place sort of topic. Um, because, so I started practicing hoodoo when I was in high school, I wanna say around 18, that's when I figured out, oh, you know, what is hoodoo? Because at the time, um, there were, there, <laughs> at the time, there weren't many books out. Um, and the main books that were out were from white people describing what hoodoo was. Like Lucky Mojo had a monopoly on the hoodoo conversation at that time. So I remember finding a book, um, I forgot the name, Tayana, I forgot her last name, but um, she wrote a book that opened up my eyes to what hoodoo was. And it's about, you know, the black American experience spiritually um, and understanding that. And um, so when I opened up that door, it, it led to me wanting mentors. And that has been a, a nonlinear road that has been a blessing where I found people who have taught me amazing things, um, whether they meant to teach me something or whether through their actions, I learned something of like, oh, that is, you know, what one should not do, or that is, you know, um, but it's all been a beautiful lesson. And even in, even in mentors in terms of like queer life and understanding my gayness. And when I went to New York, I um, had a mother, a gay mother, and, at the time, I was caught up in a lot of mess, and so was she. So it was very much this, like, um, like I hate to say this, but a very sort of dark teacher who, like, taught me a lot of things that, um, in hindsight, I was like, yeah, I was really hanging on to some of that stuff, but it wasn't good. Now I'm like, oh, the, like, when you take a couple steps out and you're like, oh, even bad teachers teach you a lot of things that you need, but it's like, it's, it's just very interesting because in, in meeting her or any of the number of mentors that I've encountered, um, good and bad, it's like, oh, you know, you don't know what you're gonna learn from them until it's very like, sometimes until after uh, your experience with them. So it's always been very interesting. Right now, I don't have like, a spiritual mentor really or anything like that like a mother or father it's really just my family i'm thankful for the experiences that i've gone through to sort of bring things full circle with my family where now i'm recognizing my role with them and i'm very much receiving like insight that i need for now and years ahead from like my grandfather from my nana from um, aunts and uncles in the family who, you know, sure, when I was little, they were saying things like, oh, make sure you read Proverbs or, oh, make sure you read this. But it hits so much differently when you're able to see it in the context of just going through stuff where I, I don't like, I don't see it as like religious rules, but I see it as this is the vehicle and this is the vessel of which spirit is, is transmuting wisdom through you that it could literally be any religion on the planet. Like we could have any dynamic, we could be any culture and like that is still flowing through. So now I'm like, thank you. Like now I see it 
in a much different light. And I'm so much more thankful for it than I was, you know, when I was an angsty teenager or when I was a kid who just hadn't had life understanding and knowledge. So now I'm like, mentors are in my family and I am also recognizing my role as someone in my family who I'm becoming more of an adult. So it's like, I have to take care of my family. I have to make sure that we're good. I have to, you know, do those sorts of things. So the dynamics are changing and they're, they're very different and good. It's, it's interesting. When I think about like some of the dark times now, I'm like, oh yeah, we really went through some dark times with my mother. Um, so, you know, I'm 18, 19, 18 going on 19 um, at that time. And I was caught up in drugs and partying and all this stuff. And I just remember um, the guy I was dating at that time. I was just so like out there in terms of not being connected to uh, much of anything that I needed to be in alignment. But my mother was, I don't really know her title in, in IFA, but she was some um, devotee and walked with the Orishas. And it, it, it was very much like twisting of, like twisting of the truth so that, you know, oh, I, well, they know what I'm doing, so it's okay, and da 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 da. And it's like, in hindsight, I'm like, but they don't want that for you. <laughs> they're helping you and they're protecting you and making sure you're good because you're all the way out here. But like, they want you to be in a much more fullness of life. But in that era of my life, I remember that was the first time I felt the presence of death. That was the first time I'd really just played my whole life. I learned a lot in that season, which I still hold or reference to today. I, I really just look back and I'm like, I'm really thankful for, for death revealing itself to me in that way, where now I just know and I have a, a better relationship, not perfect, but a much better relationship with sensing it, speaking to it, and having a conversation versus running or yeah, being bombarded by it. I do feel like it's helped me in my work with other people. It's helped me in my work with myself now. You know, now I'm kind of in the realm of like, unfortunately, just magical practitioners of all walks, we deal with hexes and, and people sending spirits and jealousy and blah, 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 blah. Had I not had that relationship and had that understanding of like, well, you can just talk to it. You can just talk to that energy. And um as in the same way you can talk to God and hear a response, you can talk to death and get a response. You can talk to your ancestors. Like that sort of understanding of just keep it very conversational as much as you would with a relative or friend or someone that you see at the grocery store and you want to ask something of them, right? That's been my like reference point of, okay, whenever I'm confronted with a new energy or a new spirit, I'm like, just go back to that. Like, Hi. <laughs> Instead of being like, how do I, um, how like running for reference and books, it's just like, maybe you could just boil it down to like, how does one speak to another spirit period? Mm -hmm.
So I've definitely gone through seasons of depression and setbacks and um, imposter syndrome. And I feel like that sort of like dent in my spirit came from getting bullied at a young age and like always questioning yourself and always questioning, well, was I talking too loudly? Was I talking too feminine? Was I do, was I not, how, what do I need to change about myself? How do I fit in? So that, not checking that, for a long time um, and not healing that for a long time creates a space for other things to come in and be questioned. It's like, you know, you could receive all this praise of the work that you're doing, but if that dent is still there, it's like, well, you're just waiting for it to come back. You're waiting for that feeling of, well, you're not really doing well. You're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Why would you do that? Like that criticism, that's unmerited and unjustified, just you're waiting for it to come back. Um, and it took shape when I lived in Los Angeles. I lived in Los Angeles for seven years because uh, I wanted to go to school. For, I went to school for acting and I wanted to do that for a while. And that could have been, actually it was, I did heal a lot of that um, settling there. And I had to redo it again when I stepped into this chapter of life. And it's like, all right, let's um, address this imposter syndrome. But now I'm recognizing that it's not necessarily something that's supposed to take you out of what you're doing. It's not supposed to make you lift your hands and say, well, am I supposed to be doing this? I guess not if I'm being, if I'm questioning myself like that. That's not the point. I, I feel like it's supposed to refine one to, as, as a test, to make sure that they are rooted in confidence of what they are doing. So I went through a bit of an imposter syndrome towards the tail end of last year, where it's like, am I doing everything I can be doing to the best of my ability? Well, let's explore that. And then it actually became fun. It's like, okay, like I went through all my processes, I pulled out all my things, and I'm just like, let's honestly look at like what's working well what's not working well and let's just have an honest conversation because you don't want to keep progressing and have questions about something that could have been addressed on your own time so it's like now i'm like not negating an imposter syndrome sort of thought it's like well hold on let's actually let's let's question this let's you know explore this and see if something can be refined and something can be worked on because I'm not perfect. And if I was, I'd probably not be here. So I still have work to do. And as long as I have air in my lungs, so let's see what needs to be refined and, and worked on. Um, and obviously there's a point where you just need to rest and just, you know, relax on things. But um, even that <laughs> I've got a better relationship in terms of questioning myself and confidence. And it's like, okay, I'm much more, um, grounded when it comes to peace i feel like uh that state is always like come and go just like confidence it's like yes i've gotten a much better you know grasp on it but it's still you know as the day changes 
I'm losing peace or I'm, you know, so I have to be mindful of where I am with it. Um, and I think just the way I understand things and my spirits know how I learn um, or they knew how I used to learn. I'm getting much better at this, but getting to that point of I've had enough, like I've had enough of um, in terms of peace, being stressed out by everything and every little situation. It's like, pause. <laughs> I need to get back to, you know, what feels good mentally and, and taking those steps out of the situation and, you know, looking from a bird's eye view helps put things in perspective. And it's like, actually a lot of this shit doesn't matter. And I don't need to hold on to it. Or I don't need to care about it. Same thing with confidence. It's like, you get to a point where you're like, actually, I can't keep being apologetic or I can't be keep being nice and betraying myself and betraying myself continuously for the sake of other people. It's like, no, hold on. You just get angry. Like a, a part of you just snaps and grows. And it's like, I, I can no longer um, keep making concessions for other people and not putting myself first. So that um, side of myself started to grow and it feels very comfortable. Like it feels very comfortable to stand up for myself. Um, whereas in my teens, I was just like, you know, not comfortable with that at all. Very apologetic for myself, almost apologetic for existing and going through like several, just several series of just like, um, it's like, how much more of myself can I cut off for other people? And then you're just like, all right, all right, all right, all right. this is ridiculous. Like, I'm done, I'm done. Unfortunately, not everybody, like when I was saying like my spirits understand how I learn, I'm like, not everybody has to, and not everybody should go through that form of hard earned confidence or hard earned peace or hard earned any state. I don't think that has to be, it, it's not the route for everyone and it shouldn't be. Um, like you don't have to touch the iron to know that it's hot. You can just understand, like, actually, I trust that this is bad for me, or I trust that I don't need to give to this situation. Um, but that's how I learned. And now I'm just like, got it. Got it. Got it. What I try to bring to the community is, gosh, I'm gonna butcher that parable. Um, and I don't know why I'm going to a biblical parable, but it's that one you teach a man to fish versus you know, you give a man to fish, give a man to fish. And it's like that really should be the mindset and attitude of everybody in every healing space, you know, anywhere. It's like each of us has an ability to heal within ourselves. And we should not be reliant on, you know, external forces. We can consult and seek out people to help us, but like that, that thing should be awakened and generating on its own. Otherwise it's like, you're like an addict who's always needing a fix. I always need a fix. I always need this. It's like, well, maybe you should just wake up yourself and know that that's going to be that should be a generative thing within you. Like you should be, that should be um, woken up. 
And my goal, my hope is that the people that come across me, I am waking that up within them so that the, like, like my therapist said two weeks ago, she's like, the goal is that you eventually don't need me or go to a very minimal, like monthly. I mean, that's where we are now, but I'm just like, that's, that's my goal with my clients is like, the goal is that I just help you get back in alignment and you're just on your way. And maybe down the road, you might need help because something happens or something comes up, but it's not like, it's not supposed to be like a weekly, daily sort of check-in. Like I need this. I need this. No, you don't. Like I'm, I'm very clear on like, I can help you, but you don't need me. Like that's, that's the goal to point to, to get across. Yes, I can help you, but you don't need me. And that's, I, I don't know why I, I, yes, I do know why that's scary for people to say, because they want to feel like, you know, you need me and I'm um, the valuable resource that you always need to be contributing to. And, but it's like, if you're so tightly holding on to that idea of you always need to be in that exchange with people, that leads to some really toxic places. Um, even with the best intentions of it, it's like, that just leads to some really bad dynamics some really bad situations. It's like, the spirit sees you and uh, let people, let people learn that they can heal themselves. Like, you know, so that's hopefully what I'm bringing to the community. Like that whole kiss the ring, like mentality. It's like, how did you fit that in a healer? mindset modality like no <laughs> respect is one thing and that's separate but it's like bow down and you will get your healing no and it's crazy because that is one of the nuggets that i take from growing up in worldwide church of god i'm like i recognize that early on i'm like no not like my parents it's funny my parents I don't think they knew that they were teaching me this or, or how it would play out in my understanding, but they were very much teaching me, you should question authority respectfully. Like you should question, you know, respect is earned. And just because you have a title, just because, you know, shit, just because you're the president, like whatever, whatever your title is and where, like that, that respect from people still has to be earned by your works, by your actions, by who you are, you know? So that whole like kiss the ring as a healer thing, it's just like, just because you have a title doesn't mean shit. It's like, what are you, what are you doing? That's where you get people to be like, you know what, respect. I'm like, what would I say to my past selves? Um, I hate, no, I don't hate this response, but I'm like, I, I don't know that I would say anything to my past selves. I would try my best in this scenario if I could go back in time. If I have, like, I'm, I'm actively creating and imagining with this, that I have the ability to somehow imbue energies to myself and that would just be love because 
knowing myself, my stubborn ass was still going to like, if I could tell myself anything in the past, my, my stubborn self at, you know, seven years old was still going to do, you know, the outrageous shit that I did at 14. I was still going to do that shit. You know, at 18, I was still going to do that shit. Like now my relationship with my ancestors, I'm like, yeah, I get why you guys were quiet then because you knew I was, it didn't matter what you said to me. It did not matter. I was still going to do stuff. And now I'm like, well, let me just sit down and listen. Like now I've learned that aspect, but like if I went back in time and tried to tell myself anything. So like my understanding with my ancestors, I'm like the whole time they were sitting in the background, just pouring love into me. Yes, they were moving things and making sure that people didn't do things and like making sure that I was good where I couldn't even see to pray or ask or think to, you know, just, you know, they were making sure I was good. But um, I would just, in, in some of those dark times, just pour love back into myself. And I've been able to, through meditation, through sitting in baths and just reflecting on um, where I betrayed myself at times or where I held on to a betrayal from someone else and just held on to it as if it was something like, um, a scrapbook thing that I just had to hold on to like a receipt almost like it's like you can let that go and it's like I don't need to <laughs> I don't need to keep mulling over this I don't need to keep reflecting on it I don't need to keep playing it back those are like the hindsight sort of lessons where I'm like it's okay just 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 let the guilt go let the shame go of those experiences but yeah, I know anything I told myself back then, well, I'm still gonna do it. <sighs> yeah. I think if anything that I would wanna leave like as a last thought is something we all, this, you know, that we're in this time, 2021 and the world is where it is all should be doing is getting real clear on self and real clear on seeing yourself and, and what we're doing and and questioning some of those things because the quickness that is you know for any one of us to get caught up in something is like it is so easy to just get lost in the chaos of everything that's happening right now i'm staring at some glasses of water on my altar and it's just like clarity it's clarity of self uh is what will help prevent that is being able to see yourself with clarity and know how you move and know how you're affected by things and with a quickness you'll be able to not get caught up with whatever the news is telling you whatever your environment's telling you whatever your community might be spreading um like i'm noticing that like people are blasting certain messages throughout different communities and it's like that's not helpful <laughs> that's not that's not helping anyone you're you're sowing seeds of division but like if you're caught up in whatever it is you're caught up in you know alliances or agreements or concessions or whatever it is you can't see things with clarity so you have to take steps back and see yourself with clarity and honesty um, so that's what i would want to share with anybody um, right now, that's very important to do.
Thank you, James, for joining us today in the Queer Circle. And thank you, listener, for coming along. If you'd like to learn more about James' work, check him out on Instagram at theconjurecleaner or go to his website, conjurecleaning.com. You can also go to queercirclepodcast.com for this information and more. Music from today's episode provided by Purple Fluorite. Purple Fluorite's other works can be found anywhere music can be streamed. <laughs>